Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 29. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Verse number 39. And when they would come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went his way rejoicing. The message translation of verse 39 says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of God suddenly took Philip off. And that was the last the eunuch saw of him. But he didn't mind. He had what he had come for and went on down the road as happy as he could be. Now, my title, when nothing happens at church. All right, we see a few things here. Number one, this is a eunuch. And the Ethiopia is, is not the Ethiopia in Africa. This was actually Ethiopia in Egypt. But a eunuch is one that is emasculated, an emasculated human male. It is one who is incapable of marriage. One or one who renounces marriage. Traditionally, eunuchs were castrated for their position as servants. At one time, King Cyrus believed that emasculation yielded more docile and easily managed slaves who, undistracted by family ties, were characterized by single-hearted loyalty. In other words, it was the fact that they had no familial ties freed them single-mindedly to serve whoever they were serving. A eunuch is means that it's one that it's a separation of one from any familial obligations so as to focus on servanthood. Let's bring it to our day. The devil has tried to castrate us from even yourself. There's a lot of people walking around don't know who they are. They've been lost. They have lost their identity. Some of them have lost their identity by taking on the identity of somebody else so they don't have to see themselves. They could take on somebody that they like. Icon. Idolatry. That's what we worship. This is what I think represents whatever I want to be. So I'm going to imitate it. Some people love comedy. And they can't be serious about anything in life. Everything has to be thrown off on a joke. Or oh, I want to make you laugh. A little clowning. Why? Because I don't want to open up who I am. I don't want people to see who I really am. But in church, in, in, in this walk that we call faith, we have to get desperate enough to where we say, I don't care if you see who I am. I really don't care. But we take on what people expect us to be. Praise the Lord, sister. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you've been struggling all week. My wife was dealing with a young man that passed away, dealing with his sister yesterday. And she told her, it's all right for you to cry. Her brother died right in front of her in her, in her car. She turned and said, you're the first person that told me I didn't have to be strong. That's the church, y'all. We're not allowed to show that. We got to be strong. We can't cry. We, no, no, no. 
He's the strong one. I'm the weak. And we've got to realize that Jesus said, those that are well don't need a physician. And if you're so strong and well, what are you doing coming to church? Did you come to rub your wellness in my face? Make me feel bad for being sick? It is the sick that have need of the physician. And if he is a physician and I say I need him, that means I got to come to grips that I'm sick. Castration. The, the eunuch was incapable of, of marriage and ultimately offspring, the seed. The seed is taken away from the eunuch. There's nothing to deposit anywhere. And the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. But we've allowed Satan to strip us of our seed. And when we come to ch- the, the reason for the church, the local church, was that the spirit of compassion might prevail. That I might be able to touch you and to deposit something, not just for me to get, 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 get. I, I want to be able to touch somebody's life. But the seed has to be deposited. God has given us all seeds. And I, my prayer for this weekend was that there would be a a, a spirit not only of compassion, but a spirit of discernment. How could the church that's full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Ghost, I mean, we could speak in tongues, and but we can't feel when somebody's hurting. We, We can't sense that there's something beyond that brother or sister's smile. Well, they, when they say I'm blessed and highly favored, you can pull them to the side. No, let's talk. Let's talk. You got to get this off of you. Now, the problem with this Ethiopian eunuch is that the Bible says he went to Jerusalem to worship. But there's a problem. Turn to Deuteronomy 23 and 1. There's too much power in God's spirit for the church to walk around spiritually dumb. For us to possess or claim to possess the power that created the worlds. That spoke everything into existence. The sum total of all wisdom is wrapped up in the Holy Ghost. And we walking around, I don't know what's wrong. 23 and 1. He that is wounded in the stones or hath his privy member cut off shall not what? Enter into the congregation of the Lord. Now, this law was in effect in the book of Acts. So, this Ethiopian eunuch traveled 200 miles to stand outside of the church, but he went to worship. Now, he wasn't the only one that had to stand outside because Leviticus tells us for whosoever, whatsoever man he be that hath a blemish, he shall not approach. A blind man, lame, or he that hath a flat nose. I told you the Hollywood spirit was in the church. You got to get your nose done. Or anything superfluous or a man that is broken footed. A broken handed. God represents wholeness. And the picture he's getting is not to make these people feel bad. The picture he's getting is you cannot come into my presence and be broken. I'm the heart fixer. How are you going to come in my presence and be broken hearted? How are you going to truly experience my glory? And can't walk right. Broken footed. 
how are you going to touch me and then go out and can't touch nobody else? Broken handed. How are you going to come to me and I examine your heart and expose everything in you? But you can't go out and display discernment. Flat nose. You can't smell nothing. The dwarf. I've been saved 15 years, but ain't grown none. See, the reason is God will not give any of his glory away. And when we come to church, we say we come to church because I've gotten to the point where I say I'm not going to church. I'm bringing the church. God said, I don't dwell in temples made with hands. And I know somebody with hands made that building. Now, didn't no hand make me. And that's where he dwells, in the temple that he made. But there's no growth. So he cannot give his glory to somebody else. And when we come and say we've experienced God and had church, And we show all of these symptoms of imperfectness. Folks are going to say, you ain't seen Jesus. Your co-workers going to say, no, not you. You had a time in church. You. Your family members know who you are. They know. So no man that hath the blemish of the seed of Aaron, the priest, shall come nigh to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. Because he has a blemish. Now this doesn't mean, because we're in the Old Testament, we got to bring it to light in the new. This doesn't mean that you got to get yourself together before you come to church. This means, Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and what? We got the Holy Ghost part down. But we ain't seen the fire yet. Because the fire is purging. The fire burns some stuff up. There's some things that don't last in the fire. And when you talk about the fire of God, you're talking about a fire that's hotter than any fire that's ever been burned. He can't come nigh to offer the bread of his God. He shall eat the bread of his God, both of the most holy and of the holy. In other words, he can receive, but he has nothing to offer. Only he shall not go into the veil. (laughs) Where we've been trying to get. Beyond the veil. Nor come nigh to the altar. All right, now he didn't move you back further. Now. Don't get me wrong, because the veil that y'all think I'm talking about is the the holy of holy veils. He's not talking about that veil. He's talking about the veil at the gate. The outer court. Don't even step on my grounds if you ain't serious about this thing. Not only the veil, but you can't even come to the altar where the ashes are. So Moses told the people all this stuff. All right, now, so there's four historical reasons for banning the eunuch from God's assembly. Number one, emasculation is contrary to the divine order in creation. He did not create us to be unproductive. He did not create us to be separated from folks. He created us to get along with each other, to touch each other's lives. Number two, it represents syncretistic accommodation to foreign influence. What that means is that I've picked up the custom over here in the church and I've got a little custom in the world and I'm going to synchronize them to get along with both of them. It's kind of like lukewarm. You're not hot or you're not cold. You know how to get along in the right crowd chameleons we change colors if I stand up against that wall 
I turn yellow. If I lay on this floor, I'm going to turn red. If I go over there with that crowd, they all got on black shirts, I'm going to change black. All the time, I'm losing who I am. And when you lose your identity, you don't know what you want from God. You don't know what you need from God. Because your needs and wants are now camouflaged in everybody else. Number three, the maimed or the mutilated are considered unfit for priesthood. Since by definition, they constitute an affront to the God who made the world without blemish. So if God created us without blemish and we're fearfully and wonderfully made, why am I so messed up? The reflection, remember the reflection. Who am I reflecting? And if I say I'm reflecting Christ, then you're telling me that Christ is sick and Christ got all these issues. (laughs) He don't have them. But the problem is we laid down our cross. We've laid it down. We want to follow him, but the cross was too heavy. It slowed us down too much. Take up your cross and then follow him. Number four, the practice tends to undermine the natural patriarchal cultic order. That's the family. That means one generation gives to the next generation who gives to the next generation who gives to the next generation. The eunuch could not do this. The eunuch had one purpose and one purpose only. What is my service in my worldly kingdom? So he tells Philip, I want you to go down south, down from Jerusalem. The eunuch just went to Jerusalem. Now you telling me to go the opposite direction of Jerusalem. And I want you to go to Gaza and I want you to go to a place that's desert. Look where God positioned the eunuch in a place that wasn't churchy. (laughs) The church folk wasn't around. In a place that there was nothing growing, no beautiful flowers, no beautiful edifice, none of that. Now, Philip's in a hot revival with folk are receiving the Holy Ghost left and right. But what did Jesus say about the one sheep? He said, I'll leave all of these. Because I promised in my word that if you hunger and thirst after me, I got to fill you. God will send somebody to leave a red hot revival just to talk. This is why we ought to be attentive. Now, he says, go down south. Now, the Bible says that the place where God resides is in the north. In fact, that's where Lucifer said, I want to be. I'm going to place my throne in the north. But he tells Philip to go down south. Now, Philip is north in the presence of God. But he tells Philip, I want you to go the opposite direction. Now, we think that in the church, we can't go out and get nobody. Do you mean to tell me that all the Holy Ghost in you is is so weak that you just talking to a sinner is going to corrupt you? He didn't say go and tell them to come. He said go into the world. I know what's in the world, but I'm sending you out there anyway. Down from Jerusalem, leave the temple. Your calling is outside of the thriving church. Gaza. Now, Gaza means strong and fortified. This was the main one of the main five cities of the Philistines. Samson once carried the gate of this city away. But later became a prisoner. And then even later than that. He pulled down the temple of Dagon in the same strip where the Ethiopian eunuch was. Now, remember, this place, Gaza, was once fortified, thriving. 
But it was the place of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were the enemies of God. This is a picture of the world and what Christ did. He took a place that was once fortified by the enemy of God, and now it's desert. This means that what the cross accomplished works. It worked because the Gaza was now desert. So God has emptied the places that were once strong and fortified by the enemy. However, occasionally somebody passes through. And he wants us to go get that one that's passing through. Now, Jerusalem. Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem means the house of peace. It, it, it represents a vision of peace. It's terrible thing when someone or something doesn't live up to its name. It causes frustration and despair to those who look for it to fulfill its rightful place in their lives. When I go to Jerusalem, I'm expecting to receive peace from God. But he went and nothing happened. He believed in one God. From Egypt, he believed in one God. And he says, I want to go learn about this God. And he left not knowing who the one God was. A decade or so after the one God stepped in the flesh and revealed himself. And the church was supposed to be thriving in Jerusalem. So when the church doesn't live up to its name, it causes people to become frustrated. The eunuch went up to worship, but had to wait for a messenger of the gospel to come down from where he had just left. He believed in the one true God and had a desire to worship him. But the law prevented him from entering the temple. Remember, he couldn't go past the gate where they slaughtered the, the sacrifice. So he traveled over 200 miles just to stand at the gate. Could you imagine how, how he must have just, what's going on in there? I, I can't go. Because I don't represent the reflection that God wants to reflect in me. But, but I'm listening for any word to hear about this one God that I've heard about. But nothing happens. I've been to some services where I came with the expectation and there was nothing there. Been to councils and conventions. and Why? Because the place that called itself the house of God had no residence of the Holy Ghost. So he left disappointed, not having experienced the presence of God, he desired to worship and know. He went to Jerusalem hungry and left starving. He went thirsty and left parched. Anybody ever been to church and left more frustrated than you came? Come on, we here to be honest, y'all. I left more frustrated, more burdened. I, I came to God's hospital and got no treatment. Why? Because the treatment is not only for the pastor to give. It's for you. I'm praying that in this place, there will be connections made. There might be something I can't speak to. Peanut can't speak to, but there's somebody in my, that might be in here that is able to affect you. Little did he know. Now, he was reading from the Isaiah chapter 53. Now, he didn't know that just three chapters later, God had put him in the scriptures. God had made a place for this hungry Ethiopian eunuch in the very same book that he was reading. But he hadn't got to that chapter yet. Let's turn to it. Isaiah 56. Now, he didn't have to read about himself first 
Because we've got to know who Jesus is first. And once we know who Jesus is, it doesn't matter what the Bible says about me because I know that I'm going to line up with it because I've met Jesus. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice for my salvation is near to come. And my righteousness is going to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak saying, the Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. Now here he is in his chariot saying, I'm as dry as a tree could ever get. But three chapters later, he said, don't let the eunuch say that. All right. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs, those that have been castrated, separated from your identity in God, left without seed, left where you can't touch and affect anybody. The devil has come in and nullified your purpose. The eunuch that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them. Will I give mine house and within my walls a place and a name that is better than sons and daughters? I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him. And to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even then will I bring to my holy mountain. Now I'm not in the house of the Lord, but now I'm in what, what the psalmist calls the secret place. He's going to take the outcast who are not allowed and not received by those in the church and he's going to put you in the secret place and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall what? Be accepted. Now, he just told them, don't even bring the sacrifice. Don't even bring it. But now he's reversed the curse. But it shall be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, saith, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered to him. I've been in services and I've seen God do stuff for folk, and you wonder, why can't I experience? Something that I can hold on to. I don't have to go and say, oh, what, the Lord did something for this sister at my church. Or the Lord did this something for. But, but it turns and says, I was this way before. Angry, upset, burdened down. But look what God has done for me. For me. He has affected me personally. All right, so look at how God used Philip to bring Isaiah 56 to pass. God reached out and embraced all of the outcasts. Now, we, we say that Acts 10 is where the first Gentiles were saved. The Ethiopian eunuch was the first Gentile to be saved. Not Cornelius. It was the Ethiopian eunuch. But not only that, but the other outcasts, that had just been accepted. Now, he, remember, he says here in Isaiah 56, and the eunuch is involved because he's a eunuch. But he also says all of the other outcasts. Who were the other outcasts? Those that were in Samaria were Samaritans. They weren't received into the Jewish family. There was much prejudice against the Samaritan. 
the woman at the well. <laughs> I, I can't even talk to you because I'm a Samaritan. I don't identify with you. But she hadn't read Isaiah 56. She had read that there was going to be one, one that was coming, but, but she didn't read that I'll one day be accepted by him. I'll one day be loved by him. I'll one day be embraced by him. She couldn't fathom that. She was going to fit into it. And sometimes we think of, of God's collective church, but God adds to the church daily. There is a mark in eternity with your name on it. Of when he came and touched you. Yes, you're in the body in the church, but that church has several members. And he wants you to realize and accept and receive and own up to how important you are in him. It's not to brag and say that, that God needs me and he guys. And, and if if I wasn't here, the program wouldn't be going. But he does want you to realize and receive the love that he has for you. So Philip only preached Jesus to him. He didn't testify about the great revival that was happening in Samaria. He didn't talk about the great things that were happening around Jerusalem around the day of Pentecost. All he gave him was Jesus. And he started where he was. Ain't no sense. And I heard somebody say they were talking to somebody and they were talking all this stuff about church and everything and what a time they had in church and the sister asked him well what do you know about the pre-tribulation rapture and the and the pre-tribulation millennial and reign and all this stuff and the person was dumbfounded and and judgment was passed on the person because they didn't know about the pre-tribulation rapture now i believe in the pre-tribulation rapture but to me it don't matter why? Because I'm living in him every day. I don't care when he come. Whenever he comes, as long as I'm waiting for him, I'm going, whether it's before the tribulation or after the tribulation. Now, I believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, adamantly. I believe scripture tells us that. But there are some that have our faith that have been persuaded otherwise. But they're living holy lives. Why are we going to get in a spiff over this? You say it's coming out. As long as you live holy, won't either one of us have a problem. <laughs> See, but the devil brings all this stuff and, and we get into personal tiffs with one another. When in actuality, the Bible says we're all given a measure of faith. I might be in a, at, a, at a teaspoon. You might be at a cup. God bless you. Just let my teaspoon overflow and after a while it might mount up to a cup. But we are not to, that, that was the problem with the Corinthian church. They judged each other. You're not as spiritual as I am. I speak in tongues more than you. That means that I'm in touch with God more. I run around the church more. That means that I'm in touch with. This is what happened in the Corinthian church, y'all. Read the history. Not only that, but they were comparing folk. Your pastor ain't as good as my pastor, and I can't come to your church because your church don't teach what my church teach. Every pastor has a measure of faith. Some are going to teach this, some are going to teach that. This is why he gave us a fivefold ministry to reveal the full hand of God. If you only avail yourself to one finger, the hand of God is not touching you. I want God's hand upon me, and a hand has five fingers, and it takes the fivefold ministry of the church to nourish you. So avail yourself to the evangelist. Avail yourself to the prophet. Avail yourself to every word that God has for you. 
I went last week expecting God because I'm seeking God in some private areas of my life on where do you want me right now? I love playing the keyboard, but God is is not impressed. And I've gotten to the place now where I'm confident enough to say, I know God has given me a gift. Not the keyboard. Uh, He's given me another gift. It's not bragging. Because for a long time, I waited for that gift to be confirmed. And while I was waiting to be confirmed, my mouth was shut when God was telling me to speak. And he's given you a gift. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he didn't give some gifts. He gave all gifts. As he pleased every man, according to God's will, every man, somebody say every man, man. say what I'm I'm part of the every. every. So don't wait for a gift to be. You have a gift. But when we're eunuchs in the church. We're castrated from that gift. We're castrated from that purpose. We're castrated from that identity and we come to church to worship, we come thirsty, but we left parched, came hungry and left starving. But at the end of this, the Bible says that the Ethiopian eunuch, when they came out of the water, after hearing about Jesus, not hearing about Philip, I love to hear your testimony, but I'm not really interested in who you are. I want to know what Jesus is doing through you to touch me. So what must happen for us to have the same kind of joy? Now, the Bible didn't say they had a Tarian service. The Bible didn't say, and I'm so tired of this in the church. Have you received the Holy Ghost? Yeah, I received the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Yeah, I've received the speaking in tongues. Well, get down here. Let me hear you speak. Since when did God make the church the Holy Ghost police? We need to stay in our lane and get out of God's business. Because anytime I get down on my knees and try to conjure up Ikamahan because you asked me to, I'm not touching the throne. Because I, I started from the wrong place. He's searching the heart. We can't trust that God baptized somebody with the Holy Ghost. You can't take their word for it. Who are you? That's the Corinthian church, y'all. And the Corinthian church is the church that God, that Paul took, said, you're carnal. I got some stuff I can't even tell you because you're too carnal to receive it. I've called you up into the fiery mountain of God. The Ethiopian unit, God gave him a place in the mountain where the fire was, but you're at the base. You're at the base that when they made the golden calf. Now, God called Moses and Aaron up to the mountain. For whatever reason, Aaron didn't go. He was invited, but he didn't go. He should have went because the people persuaded him. And when they built the calf and when it was done and all built and shiny. Do you know the name that they put on the golden calf? They put the most sacred name in the Jewish religion on that calf. They called it Yahweh. They took the running around the church and the bucking and the shouting and said Jesus was here. They put the right name to it but didn't have the true essence 
Because the true essence will transform and you will not walk out the same way you walked in. And I, I see a lot of people walking out the same way they walked in. And the reason I know they're the same way is because they got the same experience the next week and then the next week and then the next week and then the next week. Trying to conjure up something. In fact, when Moses came back down, they sent him up there. Now, this is the very first stop in the wilderness. The first stop. They were content. We don't want no more. I'm baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that's all I want. When God sent the man to take them further. And he said, we don't want to wait for him. In fact, Moses, we could tell you've been in God's presence. We don't want that presence. In fact, we don't want God to speak to us. Put a veil on. Simmer down a little bit, Moses. Now, what y'all saw Sunday, I did not mean for that to be done in service. God told me to do that, and I went to him privately. I don't know why it turned out the way. It could have been God doing something. I don't know. But I didn't do that to be seen. But I had to be obedient to what God was saying. So at the end of this, remember the message Bible, verse number 39 says, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of God suddenly took Philip off. And that was the last the eunuch saw of him. But he didn't mind he had what he had come for and went on down the road as happy as he could be. Would you be happy if you were to never see me again? Never see your pastor again? Never hear another sermon? Because the gospel is powerful enough to change. He didn't just change the Ethiopian unit because history tells us that just a couple of decades down the line, the apostolic church had taken over that part of Egypt. A great revival. And many believed that it was the Ethiopian eunuch that sparked it. He didn't have no follow-up Bible class. He didn't have new saints class. He didn't have all of these things. Monday night prayer. Philip didn't set up no program for him to follow. Why? Because the anointing that he had just received was powerful enough to change not only him, but to change the kingdom that he was representing. He didn't care. Now, we, we, we put great, we, we lift men of God up. Now, ain't nobody preached like my pastor. And when you do that, it's serious. I heard a pastor say that a re the reason a lot of husbands were not being won to Christ was because the wives always came home. Pastor does this. Pastor says that. Pastor, 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 pastor. And no man wants to compete with another man. This was real in his own church. The women would come. And they were so in love with the pastor to where the man said, I'm not fighting over it. I'm too big for that. Most men ain't going to do that. But it happens even outside of that. Because God's glory has been given to somebody else. God wants his glory back. He wants his glory back. In the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Chronicles, you can read it, chapter 5, verse number 13 and 14. The Bible says that when the Ark of the Covenant came back into the camp, when the glory was brought back, the Bible says when they began to sing to the Lord, and I witnessed this again last week. Now, I've seen the glory of the Lord uh, several times in my life, and I witnessed it again last week. The smoke was all in the building. 
But something happens when the true glory is here. When God is in the house, you don't say, I feel God in the house. When God is in the house, you shut your mouth. And the Bible says they could not stand to minister because the glory was there. Whenever you can speak over the glory and you claim the glory is there, the glory ain't there. Not yet. Because when the true glory gets there, there's nothing for you to do. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can offer up. Because in worship, the sentiment of your heart is exposed. Your true self is lifted up before the altar of God. And it is there where you tell him to crush me. Make me. Transform my spirit. Not tear me up and put me back together the same way I was. But getting to the point of no return, meaning I'll never be back at that level again. But we've come so, so comfortable. And, and anybody can praise God. It only takes breath to praise God. But it takes communion with God to worship him. And we've got to get back to the worship. We've got to get back to the worship. When I looked up last week and I saw the glory the first time I saw his glory, we were on, it was in our transition before we got the new building. That was the first time I saw the cloud. And so many people got delivered and healed that night because the glory was in the place. And I pray, folk always, I want to see the glory. Don't seek the glory. You got to seek him. But to seek him, you, you got to let yourself go. There's a lot of emotion in shouting. But there's, there's brokenness of spirit in worship. It's like cracking open an egg. And once it's cracked, you can't put it back together. It stays exposed for the world to see. This is what God did for me when I entered into his presence. So will we let him do it? We have to let him do it. Remember, he's knocking and the Bible has a word for worship that is actually taken from the dog. The dog shows the most excellent example of worship. Now, when my doorbell rings, I got four beagles. I don't care where they are, but when my doorbell rings, somebody knocks on that door. They come running because they want to know who's here, who's here, who is it, who is it? That's how God wants us to be. When he comes knocking, we ought to come running. Don't walk haphazardly to the door. And they tails wagging, waiting for the door to open. Because they want to see what's on the other side of the door. I want to see what's on the other side of the door that God is knocking on. He knocked on your door in the beginning, but there's other doors in your life now that he's knocking on. Some folk don't like to open the door when, when company pops up because they haven't cleaned the house. That should not be the only time your house gets cleaned. Because we serve an omnipresent God and he sees your mess. He walked in the door with the door being shut and exposed Thomas's doubting heart. You cannot shut him out. He sees it. You might as well say, Lord, I'm struggling with faith. I'm struggling with unbelief. Struggling with hatred, bitterness. I can't forgive somebody for something. I can't go ask for forgiveness for something I've done. Because a lot of us have offended folk. And the key to forgiveness is repentance. There can't be no forgiveness without repentance. You can move on, but that, that's not a subject tonight. But know that there takes repentance to have forgiveness. 
We always talk about, you know, you got to forgive folks. Christ forgave you. Well, Christ didn't forgive you without repenting, did he? So this is why we must keep a humble spirit. And I hope that everybody that came thirsty gets their thirst quenched. But it's, it's not up to me or her. We've merely just set a platform. And I thank God for my wife. See, y'all don't know what, she, what he's done for her. Because when God called me to ministry, she resisted it. Because of her upbringing. Because she said, ministry equals separation. And I waited. I said, Lord, you deal with her. And then God anointed her with the gift. (laughs) God knows how to take care of it. Because I wasn't going to keep my mouth shut. (laughs) No matter what you want, God gave this to you. Amen. Eunuchs. We want to get to the place where God has restored the eunuch to where he's he's able not only to get to the gate, but he's able to go to the altar and he's able to go to the laver and he's able to go into the holy place where the table of the showbread is and the altar of incense where we can offer up sweet smelling savor. That's worship. The altar of the incense was right in front of the curtain. Showbread was on the left and on and and the the candelabra was on the light on the right. But the altar of incense was the thing right before you get into the curtain where God's secret place is. There has to be something that smells good to him. There has to be something that reaches his nostrils. And that's where we get into worship, y'all. Amen. Let's stand.